the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're in the ninth chapter of Hebrews, and we'll be covering scriptures that most of you are familiar with. And I find that uh, sometimes when you say the scriptures often, when they're scriptures that you've heard a good bit of your, at least your converted life, you become kind of passive towards them. You hear them, they echo in your soul, and yet the passion of what they actually say is lost to you. This should not be that way. One of the things I discovered about the reading the Word of God is that it's not the attractiveness of the Word that holds me. It's my own determination of faith to trust the Spirit of God to be revelation to me. If the Word of God must tickle your emotions, if it must move you, if it must be exciting to you, then you will quickly lose interest in it, won't you? But when we read the Word of God, we don't look to be excited. We look to hear the Spirit's Word for us. We listen to hear the Spirit's Word to us. And we operate reading the Word of God with the presumption that God is there and He does want us to know. If you don't open the Word of God with that presumption, you are looking for the Word of God to give you something rather than receiving what's already in front of you as coming directly from Him. That's a fine line. But I find that the things that we go over and over again in our habits and in our religious understanding, sometimes they become dull and dry to us. We become lethargic towards the Word. And that's never, ever something you should allow. It's your determination of faith that holds the Word captive before you. That's what God desires. It's not that He desires you to come to the Word of God with a lot of understanding or a lot of insight or with enough education to be able to pull out some nugget of truth. He wants you to come absolutely free to receive, open to hear, determined to know him in it. So I would like for us to begin by having you look at a verse in Leviticus. 
It's Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. But it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life it represents. It is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life which it represents. The blood plays a central role in the covenant that God made with man. And today we'll be looking at the blood and the covenant that it ratifies. In Matthew 26, verse 28, you hear me read this at the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, For this is my blood of a new and better covenant, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out as a substitutionary atonement for the forgiveness of sin. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the scarlet trail of blood. You'll recall that when I think I went through this with you, the the covenant ceremony. What God ordained is that they have animals as sacrifices. They literally cut them in half, and they lay them on both sides of the path. And then in the covenant agreement, they would walk down this path together. And when Abraham went through this, he was asleep. And God walked down the path alone. And we talked about that. That's because God knew that Abraham would never be able to uphold his end of the covenant. God says, I made this covenant with myself. But the path that was walked is a path of blood. And God looks at that path and he says, in that path or in that pathway for this individual, there is going to be the covenant of life. The blood ratifies the covenant. In Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who always loves us and who has once for all freed us or washed us from our sins by his own blood, his sacrificial death, and formed us into a kingdom as his subjects, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power and the majesty and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. God tells us that it is the blood That is our atonement. In Exodus 24, which is quoted in the text we're going to look at, is that section of Exodus where the law was given to the people by God through Moses. And after Moses had built an altar of unhewn stone unto God on Mount Sinai, or the foot of Mount Sinai, he took the blood of the sacrifice and he poured half of it at the base of the altar. That's Exodus 24, 6. The foundation of their fellowship with God is built upon the atoning blood. And the foundation of your fellowship with God is built upon the atoning blood. 1 John 
chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we really walk in the light, that is, live each day and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light, we have true and unbroken fellowship with one another, he with us and we with him, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain keeping us cleansed from sin in all its form and manifestations. Moses took the other half of that blood that he poured out in front of the altar, and he sprinkled the people, Exodus 24, 8. And God's people are marked by blood. They are blood-bought. And God illustrated this through the Passover. You remember, he put the blood on the doorpost of every household that would trust him. Moses, by the command of God, also sprinkled the tabernacle and all the furnishings within the tabernacle. He sprinkled the altar and the horns of the altar. He made sure that blood went everywhere and covered everything. But he was never so thorough as Christ was and is. For Christ has covered it all. He has more than covered it. He has washed away every offense, every separation, every obstacle. He has made a literal pathway of blood that took us behind the veil, literally through the torn veil, and allows us to be and live and dwell and commune in the very presence of God. That's what the blood has won for us. Revelation twelve eleven, And they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death. Moses sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat which covered the ark, which contained the stone tablets of the law that God had given Moses. So the perfect and just law, the law that represented the very righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, was covered in the atoning blood. And last week we looked at verses 13 and 14, which actually asked this question. For if the sprinkling of ceremonially defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the cleansing of the body, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Holy Spirit willingly offered himself unblemished, that is, without moral or spiritual imperfection as a sacrifice to God, cleansed our consciousness from dead works, and lifeless observations to serve the ever-living God. How much more? And for what purposes? He says to serve the ever-living God. Now, the service that he's talking about is us coming and going before the throne. It's a service of worship. It's a service of prayer. It's a service of intercession. It's the service of yielding and, and seeking God. That's what it is. In other words, what God desires most from us is continual interaction or communion with him. 
It's no longer about whether or not you've been cleansed. It's no longer about whether or not you have any desire to do all the things that religious people do. It's not about that anymore. What it's about with him is relationship, intimate, personal, close relationship. And that relationship has many enemies. And the greatest enemy of your relationship with the Lord is distraction. That's the tool. Because we're busy living our life and we've got all these interruptions that come about. And suddenly those things take our eyes off of what is most important. They take our focus off of what is most important for us. And God allows those things to come in our lives that literally get our attention so that we realize we need a God in that moment. So that we realize that we were never meant to walk apart from the conscious presence of our God. God allows this. How much more? How much more is that blood worth It is immeasurable as God himself. It is incalculable. It is infinite because it is the life's blood of the Son of God. The life's blood of the Son of God who through the eternal spirit willingly gave himself up for us. The blood of God's perfect lamb who knew no sin and had absolutely no imperfection or blemish before God. That precious life's blood became the blood that gave us life and purge our soul. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is one we always quote around here, but this is the work of the blood. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined in him by faith in him as Savior. And think of the grafting of the branch into the vine It's not the attachment, it's the flow of life from the vine to the branch. The vine holds the branch, and the branch takes in the much-needed life in order to be animated, in order to be rejuvenated. Do you ever feel that? For us, we don't ever lose that. But we can be distracted from the reality of it. That we are receiving life. Life is holding us in place. Yes, the old things, the previous things. We are a new creation, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old, the previous moral, spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. And that brings us to our text, which begins with verse 15. And we will attempt to cover to verse 22. So please stand with me as we read Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 to 22. Starting with verse 15, it says, For this reason he is the mediator and the negotiator of the new covenant. That is, an entirely new agreement uniting God and man, so that those who have been called by God may receive the fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has taken place as the payment which redeems them from the sins committed under the obsolete first covenant. For where there is a will, a testament involved, 
the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will and testament takes effect only at death, since it is never in force as long as the one who made it is alive. So even the first covenant was not put in force without the shedding of blood. For when every commandment in the law had been read by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and goats which had been sacrificed together with water and scarlet wool and with a bunch of hyssop and he sprinkled both the scroll itself and all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant that seals and ratifies the agreement which God ordained and commanded me to deliver to you and in the same way he ordained uh, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the containers and sacred utensils of worship with blood. In fact, under the law, almost everything is cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, neither release from sin and its guilt, nor cancellation of the merited punishment. May God bless our reading and contemplation of his word. You may be seated. I'm going to read verse 15 again. It says, For this reason, he is the mediator and the negotiator of a new covenant that is an entirely new agreement, uniting God and man, so that those who have been called by God may receive the fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance, since death has taken place as the payment which redeems them from sins committed under the obsolete first covenant. Now, whenever he says since in the word of God, the first thing you should say is since what? Or for this reason. So we want to know what that reason was. Well, I just read it for you. If you go back to verses 13 and 14, because of the efficacious work of Christ and his blood, this is why Christ became the mediator of a new covenant because of his sacrifice. By reason of his blood. For this reason, because of the sacrifice of the Savior, because of the sacrificial death, he became the mediator of a better covenant. Now that word mediator is miasitas. And it means one who intervenes between two, either in order to make or restore peace and friendship or form a compact or ratify a covenant. And he is the mediator of a new covenant, which should remind you of what we read in chapter 8, verse 13, where it says, when God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And whatever is become obsolete, out of use, annulled, and growing old, is ready to disappear. Now, don't anybody take that personally. There are three unconditional covenants in Scripture. And we've talked about them at one time or another. They are the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. And in those three covenants, God promises to do something that he will do because he's sovereign and he is God. It's not dependent upon anything that man does. That's why they're called unconditional covenants covenant. The covenant that you're in with God right now, the new covenant, is an unconditional covenant. Once you have believed by faith and received 
his life and received that relationship with him by virtue of your new birth. You were born into his fellowship, born into this relationship. Once you have received those things, there are no conditions other than to believe what God has done. You see, in in the new covenant, in order to move into the promises of God in terms of moving into them experientially, we do this by faith. And that is why Paul says we live this life by faith. And everything that God intends for you to know about himself and yourself, you know by faith. Because what is true of you is not what you may see in your behavior or what you may see in the mirror or what you may believe emotionally about how God feels about you. What's true of you is exactly what God says is true of you. And it's true because of the work of Christ, because of the new covenant. So, man, because of sin, the corruption of man's nature... And the fruit of that corruption, which by necessity separated him from his holy and righteous creator, had no relationship. Therefore, Jesus, as the mediator, satisfied God's righteous demand for justice through his sacrificial death. And through his resurrection life, he brought man into newness of life. He gave God the new creation who is now in union with his spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17 But the one who is united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So this agreement between God and man was to be fulfilled by God. That's what unconditional is. But as it was impossible for God as a spirit to die... He sent his son, born in the flesh, to be the sacrifice and to be the fulfillment and the mediator of the new covenant. Christ was the fulfillment of the eternal covenant made outside of time by the eternal God. Remember, before the foundations of the world? So he became the savior of all men throughout eternity on both sides of the cross. Now, God made the covenant... And only God could fulfill the covenant. I made a covenant with myself. That's what he says. And he did this through Christ. He did this because Christ came. He was able to do this because Christ came and took on the flesh of man. And when he took on the flesh of man, he became capable of dying. Romans 3, verses 23 through 25. Since all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God, and are being justified, declared free of the guilt of sin, and made acceptable to God, and granted eternal life, that's Christ's life, as a gift by his precious undeserved grace through the redemption, the payment for our sins, which is provided in Christ. Jesus whom God displayed publicly before the eyes of the world as a life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation, propitiation, by his blood to be received through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, which demands punishment for sin, because in his forbearance, his deliberate restraint, he passed over the sins previously committed before Jesus' crucifixion. 
So God sent his son to be a propitiation. And that word is helasterion. And it means, it's in reference to the cover of the ark, over the ark of the covenant, which is the mercy seat. In the holy of holies, that that cover that was sprinkled with blood, the expiatory victim had shed on the day of atonement. And this rite that they went through on the day of atonement signified that the life of the people, the loss of which had been merited by sins, was being offered to God in the blood as the life of the victim. And the God of this ceremony was appeased. Their sins were expiated. So what I said in my fumbling around there is very simply that Christ covered the mercy seat with his own blood. The whole thing of the Day of Atonement was a picture that Christ's perfect blood, his shed blood, would cover the mercy seat. And the mercy seat sits on top of the ark. And within the ark is the perfect law of God, the very script of God's righteousness, and the demand for the justice for all of us who fell short of the glory of God, who transgressed, who sinned against God, Christ came and offered himself on that mercy seat in order that that would be covered. You see, the demands of the commandments are met by Christ's blood. The need for justice was met by Christ's blood. The accuser's voice will continually tell you that there's something you must do to meet those demands. There's something you must do to hold up your end. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.